Welcome to The Driven Entrepreneur, where we sit down with visionaries, trailblazers, and entrepreneurs, and discover why and how they do what they do. We'll get the backstory, plus plenty of life and business lessons along the way. Here's your host, Matt Browning. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. It's Matt Browning coming at you with a very, very special interview Friday. Today, I have someone who I've had the great pleasure to get to know over the last uh, just several months. But in that time, um, we've, we've had some great conversations, and every time uh, we talk and talk and talk until we finally hit record, I've been on his podcast, which I can't wait to share with you, and now I finally got to get him scheduled to come on ours. My next guest has been a self-made millionaire in his early 20s, and we have that in common, which is interesting. We have, we'll share some stories about what it's like to hit that kind of pinnacle in life at that time frame. He's also, of course, a best-selling author. He's a licensed attorney. He's been a columnist for the Huffington Post, and he has a top podcast with over 1,600 episodes. They're going into their fifth season now with the Conscious Millionaire podcast and the Conscious Millionaire brand which has a few different uh, podcast formats now. He's had guests like Jay Abraham, John Gray, and Jack Canfield, to name a few. But without any further ado, welcome to the pod, Mr. J.V. Crumb III. How are you, my friend? Matt, I am so alive and awake and so glad to be with you. And a huge hello to everybody who's listening. I got to do my monocle. I, I say this on basically every podcast I do. There is no accident that you chose to join us today because this material is going to be important to you. That's why you showed up. And I just want you to know that I'm here to, to serve you and I'm excited that we're going to spend this time together. I am as well. I am as well. Your, uh, your, your book has been uh, inspirational to say the least, but you just everything you've done. And I want to jump into some of your story a little bit. Now, we, you live in Colorado now. Or still, I right? do. I live in Colorado. I live in Denver. I got to say, this is the most perfect place on the planet for me at this moment in my life because all summer long I go camping every weekend. I love the outdoors. Um, I got to. I got to do a promo, although please don't move here. Oh my gosh, it's the fastest growing city in the country. Real <laughs> estate prices are crazy. You you don't want to come here. It's too expensive. Uh, Colorado is the fastest growing state. Uh, it's funny. Uh, you know, like you, you look at, you look at all that and it's, it's like every square inch is becoming a 40 story apartment or condo, uh, oh, there's, but there's, there's still it's a such an amazing place. So here is my plug because I didn't know this and I love performed arts. I mean, I go to concerts, I go to everything, jazz, Denver has the second most performed arts of any city in the country after New York city. And it's like, who would have thought, but we've got you know, Red Rocks, it's like every concert person comes here. I've got a ticket to Elton John's farewell tour that, you know, I'm like really excited about, but that's the opportunity of living here. And I go to jazz sometimes every week. Every week sometimes. I yeah. love Colorado I, and I want to get to that, but where did you grow up? Why is Colorado so I grew so up great? in Florida. I grew Florida. up in Florida. Um, and actually I have a document uh, that was created in the 1800s and then updated after my dad's birth in 1920. Uh, on my father's side, our family came over, I think we're one of the first 300 families in 1657. 
from Amsterdam to what was New Amsterdam. It was not yet New York. I think that was 12 years later. And I have the whole genealogy in 115 pages of the entire lineage. Uh, first, there was one son, then that son was smarter and had four sons. And so there were four branches of the family. But it's fascinating to be able to read all that. And my great-great-grandfather is buried in a cemetery that a member of our family gave out in the country in the 1800s. And you go, well, why are you bringing up your great-great-grandfather? Because I have his Confederate officer's Civil War sword that was passed down. And I got it from oldest son, oldest son, only son. And that was just how it got passed down. And that's a cool thing to have from your family in the 1860s. That's incredible to, to know that kind of lineage too. You know, I, I said we have a lot in common and, and we do. One of the interesting things is on my dad's side, uh, we came over from Germany five generations ago. So my grandpa's okay. grandpa. But my, on my mom's side, I found a very similar um, heritage tree going to Pennsylvania, I believe it was, into somewhere in the 1600s. So we have been in the States for quite a long time. But, I don't well, have a- that, That's interesting, Pennsylvania, because on my mother's side, I'm a direct descendant of Edmund Randolph, and I have a piece of cut glass he brought over from England, and Edmund Randolph was the first governor of Virginia. Huh. Well, here we yeah. go. Here we go. I know. It's, 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 but it's fascinating to me to know all those kind of things about your heritage and, you know, where you come from. Now, with, with, with all of that, knowing, knowing how much you come from, because I think a lot of people listen to this either, you know, certainly family is really important or there's some people who, you know, they grew up and they don't even know their family or, um, right. you know, even going back one generation through adoption or whatever the case may be. Did you grow up with both your parents, siblings? Tell me. Kind of uh, oh, I did. I didn't family. have any siblings. There were no siblings. That's right. Uh, we, grew up out in the, we grew up out in the country in a little town of two or 300 people. And uh, the fact that we didn't have any money was not unusual because nobody did. But my grandmother lived with us. So I grew up in a three-generation family. And to me, that was normal. So my grandmother was kind of like a grandmother, friend, surrogate sister, you know, we were like good buddies and I just always looked up to her because she was very wise. And um, in fact, my first entrepreneurial venture, so to say, was at the age of four. My parents gave me the pup tent only because I nagged them so much. That's what I got for my birthday. And we had a tangerine tree. So my grandmother and I saved up iron, um, eight cartons because that's all we had. We didn't have any money to buy anything. And one day I set up my pup tent where the high school kids got off the bus because I knew they had jobs. And uh, my grandmother and I spent the day squeezing tangerine juice into the 12 little compartments of the egg cartons. And for a dime, I'm saying Lucy had nothing on me with her psychiatric help for a nickel. I sold it for a dime at age four to the high school kids. And how well did you do with that venture? I did really well. I, I, you know, I'm just saying <laughs> I have a lot of pictures of when I was growing up because, you know, being an only child, my parents took a lot of pictures. And I'm just saying I was a really cute little kid. And I think that helped, right? Because <laughs> I give them kind of that big smile. Will you buy my tangerine juice? You know, it's just that, that's how that thing happens. Now, now if you think back, uh, I think this is always one of the, my most uh, fascinating parts of, of someone's story, especially for entrepreneurs, to look back and when did that journey start? And some of them say it wasn't until much later. Some of them stay, you know, in the womb. You were one of the in the womb guys. You're, you said your family finance, uh, you're quoted as saying it was kind of rocky. Now, was it just 
poor because you're in the rural area and that's where how everybody was or was it especially was it up and down did your did your dad uh, we were very up and down we were very up and down why was it up and down uh well my mother was a school teacher so that was the steady income but you can imagine that wasn't big mm -hmm. and then my father had 100 acres and farmed and he also did citrus harvesting gotcha so because citrus you know big in florida and so you have a freeze you don't have any money that year. That's right. Literally. Yeah. Well, agriculture yeah. can be very, very up and down. So th that was part of it is that agriculture is a real roller coaster ride. So what sparked, what, what sparked you to, to do that at four or at five and the next things you did? Was it to stabilize? Yes, it, it is a very interesting question because at five, I declared one day I'm going to grow up and be a millionaire. You know, I was thinking of like, what is the, you know how sometimes in life, um, and if you're listening today, this might be why you tuned in is that maybe your life doesn't feel quite right to you. Like it's not the life you're supposed to be living or your financial situations. You're going like, I'm just supposed to be living better than this. This is not what I'm supposed to be doing. Well, at five, I made that decision. I said, I don't know what's going on here, but I think I'm supposed to be in a nicer house. And I think that I'm supposed to have a different life. Wow. And so at five, I had a day I was sitting, I was standing by the kumquat tree. You know, Buddha had his lotus plant, but I had the kumquat tree. Okay, this is and scary. This is scary, JV. We also grew up with a kumquat tree. No. I promise you. No, no, oh my God. no, no kids in school knew what a kumquat was except for me. I know. Apparently very, you. Very, folks, if you don't know what a kumquat is, it's very small and it's extremely, it's kind of a citrus thing and it's very sour. One it's of my first businesses you guessed no. it, was selling kumquats out of a five-gallon oh bucket that my dad had in the garage, and we would go on the corner of the cul-de-sac street well, and try to sell those. Well, at seven, no my father them. had the 100 acres, and he grew <laughs> peanuts in the summer, so he'd help me boil peanuts, and I'd go sell boiled peanuts door-to-door. -door. Boiled peanut? I haven't even heard Oh, that big term. southern thing. I realize the rest of the country has no idea what boiled peanuts. It's not a big, but it's a big southern thing. That's for sure. Wow. See, and, and this is, and this is, see, guys, this is what the podcast is about is getting these stories out. So tell me, I cut you off in your kumquat stories. You're standing by the kumquat tree. You're five years I'm old. I'm standing by the kumquat tree. And I, I literally asked myself, you know, what's the solution to this problem that we don't have any money? And bang, it was my first big intuition. I'm talking tingling body. It was as if it were true. It's what I've actually, between that and NLP is what I base my conscious millionaire visualization on. Because here's what happened. It was as if the future was already in the present. And from that moment forward, I never once doubted I was going to grow up and be a millionaire. And I got there at 25 with the four-story home and a Mercedes when it was like a Bentley because nobody had one. <laughs> it actually wasn't that long ago that, that Mercedes were not everywhere, right? Um, and, and I saw it and believed it and felt it and became it all in like a second. It was, it was almost, if you're going to go to a religious metaphor, it's like the road to Damascus kind of experience. It's like I was transformed in a moment and I knew this was my destiny. Never it, doubted it after that. Wow. And you're five years old. So I, I want to break that. I know. It, I, is, I, it is interesting. I, I want to pick your brain on that because it's something that w when something happens to us at five years old, right? When you have that kind of experience, it can be 
other people are thinking, well, I, I want to have that, or how do I create that? And when it just happens to us, right? Again, using your right. metaphor, if, if Saul's walking down the road and all of a sudden he's blinded by the Lord, well, hang on a second. It's not like he can teach people how to do that because it's out of his control. Well, actually, but, I do teach people how to do that. Well, what I was going to say is in, in this case, you mentioned, so you mentioned NLP, which I assume right. is the same NLP. We teach neurolinguistic programming. Most everyone will be familiar with that. One of the, the coolest things that we do with NLP, of course, is when you look at creating goals or creating future, it's what I call changing the temporal or changing the time-based experience so you right. can make the present feel or the, the future feel as if it's present and make the present problems feel as if they're already in the past and it helps us get over blocks easier. Did, did you start like, I don't know, like from five and beyond, were you using in a way like that kind of mindset and thinking without knowing? Yeah, yes, it's, 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 yes, because I, didn't, I studied nine years of NLP with all the original people in the 80s and 90s. And I was really fortunate to just kind of happen on it, if you will. Although I don't think I happen on anything. I think there's this Certainly. big mosaic of experience going on. But I was because when I was eight years old, I'd never stepped foot in a mansion yet, you know. And I was drawing floor plans for mansions and saying, I want a mansion. But here's the fun part. It's, it was a little boy mansion. It uh, had three different dining rooms because I knew I liked to eat. So it was breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It had a big pool because we grew up on a lake. So, of course, I wanted a pool with cabanas around it. It had this big party room, big kitchen. And as a little boy, I hated going to bed. So there were no bedrooms. I didn't know there were other things you could do in a bedroom other than sleep. So I had this mansion with no bedrooms and three rooms to eat in and a pool and a party room. That was my mansion. Can I tell you that that is very similar to what I, I want for a house today, honestly. Well, except yeah. as we grow up, we, there, there are more things we can do in the bedroom. It um, is true. Yeah, we can also play with our toys and read books. And That's true. Anyway, this is... This is a family-friendly show, but the point is, you started, <laughs> you started drawing uh, blueprints for mansions at age at eight. At so age you eight, always knew that you want to take yourself from from the the current from where I was to someplace else. To go, yeah, it, I always it, knew that. So in, in my new book, The Firebox Principle, I talk about the seven drives that fuel every entrepreneur, and it sounds like early on you'd fit into, and my listeners would be familiar with this, the Thrive Drive which is really about improving your station in life. Sometimes yes. it's uh, they Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's the Horatio Alger story, it really, you know. Uh, that's always been it. And that's what I do at Conscious Millionaire is I help people define and step into their greatness and then build their business so that it fits their greatness, fits their impact they want to be making, rather than trying to fit their greatness in some, oh, here's a business model. Let's put you in that business model. I say the business model has to be designed around you. It's almost a so business that model can find you based on who you defines are. Defines you and allows you to, to use your word, thrive, step into your greatness, become a true high performer. And the obsession I have is making a big impact. You know, when I get on the phone with anybody or Zoom, I'll be doing a lot of quote unquote sales calls today. But my question will be, how can I positively impact this person? And then we see where it goes. Right? Because that's the first step. Now, when you were when you were in your mid-20s, you got to the yep. proverbial top of the mountain. You had the, the four-story house. You had the Mercedes-Benz. You were the self-made millionaire. You reached the American dream, as you said. And 
again, this is one of those scary things. This is why I was so excited to have you on. Um, I don't meet a lot of people that, that share such a similar life path. And at 25, a month before I turned 26, I added up my net worth and it was over seven figures. And I had dreamed of doing that, not since five or four, but I dreamed since I was 18. I wrote my mom a check. This is a funny story. I wrote my mom a check. for. So, a so, uh, so, so I guess in contrast, I'm a slow learner. It took me a while longer. <laughs> we got there at the same time. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, uh, possibly, possibly. So JV, one of the things that I, I find so fascinating is that you, you said you reached the American dream, quote unquote, right? By age 25 um, as a self-made millionaire. And I have the same story, which I find fascinating because a lot of people don't share that kind of a story. So that's why one of the reasons I was so excited about interviewing you um, quick little story. I think it's kind of fun when, so just like you're standing around by the kumquat tree at age five, um, you got it much earlier than I did, but at age like 17, I think it was 17. Actually, I wrote a check to my mom for a million dollars and I had taken, I, I saved up some money with a friend of mine in high school. We both saved up like $200 and we invested in a $400 commodities trading course. <laughs> we we're going to learn oh how to trade the market. And we never traded the market for real, but I was walking around with like the wall street journal every day in my senior year in high school, paper trading, Japanese yen and, and pork bellies and everything. And, but that got me started. So I wrote a check to my mom for a million dollars. And in my head, I'm thinking if I can, I said, when I'm 25, you can cash that. And I post dated it for when I turned 25. And that would mean I'd be a millionaire, right? Now, of course, I didn't give my right. mom a liquid million dollars. But what I find fascinating is when people like you and I have had the I don't know, the opportunity, let's call it, to, to hustle and to grind and to work and to do the things we do to get that American dream, sometimes early in life, you had that, that crisis happen, which I, I followed suit, where you know, I stood at the top of the mountain and said, is this all there is? Um, right. You had this existential yeah. crisis. I want to hear about it. You, sure. you studied at a Buddhist monastery. You went to the Human Potential Center in Big Sur. You eventually moved to Boulder, Colorado, which is where I moved this... after my crisis. No. I did. I lived uh, oh my God. in Boulder. So I want to hear your story. How did you know you're in the-, with the So, so folks, before the we went to air, <laughs> uh, Matt and I talked about, he, you know, we did you on my show recently. And then I said, well, hey, let, I'll send you the link for a 20-minute call, but I'm now realizing we need a little bit longer. <laughs> we, might, we might need two back-to-back. -back. <laughs> we might need a back-to-back. -back. So I want to circle about, back. crisis time. Yeah, I want to tell you about the crisis. But uh, first, real quick, I, it was June 23rd, uh, 2018, using my gold liquid pen that I used to sign some things and stuff. I wrote myself a check that's folded up in four, inspired by Jim Carrey, except this one's for 15 million. And I dated it June 23rd, 2023, five years out, from Conscious Millionaire Institute LLC to me. So I said that I'm going to have 15 million that I can distribute to me. Now, like we most of us know, and I look for things coming from expected and unexpected places because I'm open for money coming from anywhere. Did everyone hear that? I don't know exactly how I'm going to have 15 million sitting in my business, but I said, write the check and put it in your wallet and carry it everywhere. Okay, so that's my check story. And I highly recommend if you're listening today that you take that, that and you write yourself a check Date it in the future, put it in your wallet, and just go, in some way, this will become true. 
Now, so what happened to me at 25 and then I moved into this new home, four stories, all this, and three, and, and I'm not saying that, I mean, like I was really proud of the home because I had not grown up like this. However, three months in, it was on the water. Three months in, I was standing in my living room one day. I looked out. It was a sunshiny day. I remember it like every time I talk about it, I remember it like I was there. You know, I had palm trees in the front lawn, the bay, sailboats. And I said to myself, something is wrong with this picture. And inside, I just unraveled within a few seconds. And I said to myself, what was true is I said, I don't even like myself. I'm horrible at relationships, which I was. It was a disaster zone. And uh, my life's a wreck. All I have is that I figured out how to make money. And I'm living in this beautiful home. But there's something missing. And what I ultimately realized was missing was that I wasn't living a purpose that was bigger than me. I'd figured out some mechanics, but my life was empty and I felt empty inside. And that's when I went off on a very extended journey of sweat lodges and Tony Robbins and Wayne Dyer and, you know, spiritual retreats looking for the answer, which I ultimately realized what the answer was. And that's when I sold the companies. And I said, the answer is to find a bigger purpose. And I knew that that purpose had nothing to do with me receiving. It was all about how can I use my talents that I have, my gifts, my skills to make a difference for other people. And that that was what this whole thing called life was actually about. It doesn't mean you need to be poor while you're doing that. In fact, I advise that you not be because if you have some, some, some money, you can actually build something bigger and touch more people's lives. But it's not the money or the wealth or the Mercedes that it was actually about. It's really about how are you going to touch someone's life, step into your greatness, make your impact and transform someone or something other than yourself. That's what this thing called life is about. And that's what was missing for me. One of the things you mentioned that I think it was a passing word, but it's, I know how important it is to you. And I just want to make sure everyone hears that as well. You didn't just say finding your purpose. I find a lot of, uh, a lot of people in the coaching space, right. uh, in, in the personal development space, they're looking for like, what's the life's purpose? What's my deep meaning? What's my purpose? And you didn't say I was looking for my purpose. You said I was looking for a bigger purpose. The secret was having a bigger purpose. And if you get, take a vision that goes beyond just you, right. That is number. I mean, would you say that's probably, that's gotta be, I, I think, I think that is it. Um, in, in my book, I have a whole chapter that's on getting in the zone, being in the flow. Let's talk and, about that. And the, real quick, the book is conscious millionaire, how to grow your business by making a difference or how, how high performers can grow their business by making a difference. Conscious Millionaire. Uh, and you can find that, by the way, at www.consciousmillionaire.com slash high performer. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But tell me about that chapter in the book, because that's one of the most fascinating areas. Well, it, it actually, about. of all the things that I have some, you know, some skill or information about, it's actually my favorite one on earth. And, and I say, if I could only teach one skill to anyone, it would be how to, how to connect with and be in their flow. Because that's where everything comes from for me. When I woke up this morning, so I'm doing sales calls uh, for four hours today. In my mind, I connected to that flow and all of a sudden lists that I have, specific names of people started coming to me. So of course I wrote them down. These are people that you're to contact today. That's part of being in that flow. And so I was fascinated with it 
in part because I was experiencing it a lot and in part because of all my NLP training and my training in, in getting my master's in psych, I wanted to learn how to duplicate the experience. So I had to define what were the specific um, sensory experiences and what order that were going on, how to duplicate it in myself and then how to teach it to others. And so now my statement, which is 100% true, is that I can teach anyone how to be in the flow at any time and any place at will. And I utilize it in my business every day. And when I make my best business decisions and my best business deals, I am 100% in the flow. So, so you've actually taken like an, an NLP and psychology perspective of analyzing when right. and how you get into the flow and what's yeah, what the happens. actual sensory experience, and yes. which is an NLP process. So you've modeled flow so you can now duplicate it and teach the Well, process. I've also modeled something that I, can, I haven't yet figured out how to do this on a group level, but I am certain I will figure it out, is that with my clients who are interested in connecting with their intuition and using intuition in business, which I think every great business person is very connected to their intuition and makes a lot of quick intuitive decisions is that I can connect someone to their exact pattern, which is unique for them. Nobody else on the planet has that exact pattern and get and take them into state, get that pattern and then have them go practice that pattern so that when that pattern happens for them on a sensory basis, that they know that there's a high probability that this is, if they just have to make a decision, bang, that there's a high probability this is an accurate decision, go with it. What a cool experience. What, something that's different that I just heard again that I really love about you is you're taking, you have kind of the, the philosophical, spiritual, um, you know, emotional side of that, but you also of course have the old school practicality that you grew up with, but you take a very pragmatic look at what right. some people deem, um, you know, just intuition, let's say, right. You know, it's, it's, it's my right. intuitive sense. It's my, this, it's that you're taking that pragmatic look at what actually happens to break that down. How do I recreate that on purpose so I can get into that? Exactly. Moron, which is just something that. And it moves you from most people, even most people who are highly intuitive don't know that about themselves because it's not something you yourself can figure out. It really takes an outside perspective, taking you through a process and, you know, writing it all down and going, okay, here's your pattern. I want you to go practice it so that you can trust that when this happens, that you've got a high probability of being on the right path. And for me, I'm a very spiritual guy. This is my journey is very spiritual, uh, very much connected to the mystical. To me, there is nothing taking away from the spiritual to understand the science of the spiritual simultaneously. And so that to me is always about understanding being able to duplicate it first in myself so I can test it and then teach it to others because why, why should we muddle around uh, with our eyes half covered with mud when we can get clarity and move forward a lot faster? Take the scientific approach to breaking down the unscientific or breaking down the, uh, the invisible. Tell me about this. Right. You, before we went to tape, you started talking about, I call it the 100 pennies philosophy. 
uh, first sure. stage capitalism. Can you break that down for me a little bit? Uh, sure. When I when I was writing my writing my book, uh, one of the things that happens for me is I'm kind of a wordsmith, and being an attorney, I trademark everything, right? So, and I'm always <laughs> shocked because this stuff comes to me like inspired thought. Like Conscious Millionaire was an inspired thought. And now I have ninety something trademarks on it. Is first stage capitalism, second stage capitalism? To me, I do everything in three, so I know there's a third stage, but I think it's beyond my lifetime. We can't see it right now because we're still formulating second. So the first stage is traditional capitalism. There's a hundred pennies and a dollar, and it's a win lose proposition. It's like musical chairs. But what you're taught, I have an MBA. You're taught that the whole goal of this is to win, and for you to win, it's about you win as many of those pennies as you can. Throughout my book, I talk about triple win, you, others, and society winning together. And my proclamation is that when that happens, you will win bigger. So, so, so break, I down, def- break, break down first stage just a little bit more if you can. I want to make sure. Sure. So first stage, I came up with nine beliefs. It took me six months to work on that. And the, in NLP, I focused a lot on beliefs. So it's, a, it's an area sure. that I, I'm kind of uh, fascinated with. And so a belief would be competition. Uh, then how do you how do you shift that belief of competition so that everybody's winning at higher levels and that's collaboration? So competition fits in first stage, and competition means out of a, a penny there's a, or out of a dollar there's a hundred pennies. So and my goal get, is, and my goal is to get as many as I can, and if you don't get any, that's okay too. But my goal is to get as many as I can, and if you don't get right. any, that's okay. Okay, so first stage, right. the, one of the major beliefs is the belief of competition which means if I get an extra penny, you lose an extra penny. So I'll make sure. Well, we're and let's look, let's look at how that applies because, you know, I work with six and seven figure business owners. So this is the smaller side size of business. And what's great is that we've got a tremendous amount of control over our policies because nobody has to approve our policies, but ourselves. So in that way of looking at life, you want to pay everybody the least you can to get them to work because that leaves more money for you. Right Now, in, in the collaborative side of life, where it's you, others, and society winning together, you take a completely different approach, which is what I do, and I pay people more than they would otherwise be making, because I know that if we're all winning together, and that we're all contributing together, and that we're all on a team together with the same goal, which is to really serve our customers, make our impact, and make money from that, that we're all going to do better. And that, to me, is the whole future. You look at the conscious type of businesses out there, ones that really care about their people, their team, their customers, the environment, you know, whichever aspect of that they're focused on, they're the ones that are beginning to thrive. And they're the ones that, especially if you look at millennials, uh, millennials really want to do business with somebody who's doing good who's doing fair trade, who's treating people right, who's creating environments where everybody can, to use your word, thrive. That, you know, to me, is the, is the future of business. I saw um, a, recent, uh, a recent poll that said, of the top demands or desires for people under 30 working in, in a company somewhere, income rate or salary didn't rank in the top five. It was like six or seven. Where is money important? Certainly, but we're starting to see this value shift. And I think that's a lot of what you talk about with second stage capitalism that they're going, well, hang on. Not just that, but you know, we're people are 18 year olds are saying, what's the bigger purpose we're doing here? 
Who are we contributing to? Because I'm willing to work for less if the impact is greater. And on one side, I know there's something fundamentally wrong with that belief as well, right? And we can get to that. Because you don't have to work for less to make a bigger impact. But people's values are shifting, a lot of people at least, in this conscious space where I'm willing to put impact above income, or I'm willing to put contribution or deeper purpose or, you know, the right people to work with, you know, lifting each other up. All of that is more important than if I can buy another Ferrari. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't even want one right, Ferrari. Exactly. Right. I don't, I, I'm not, I'm not ashamed. Actually, I don't, I don't want a Ferrari. I don't want a Ferrari <laughs> because myself, but that's because... It's because uh, November 20th, 1991, I had a Mercedes and a Porsche because I was always keeping two, two vehicles. I was in my Mercedes standing still when somebody hit me, destroyed the Mercedes, and it took me three years to recover. I sold the Porsche six months later and have never wanted to be in a sports car since then because, as I said, there are things worse than dying. And if I had been in the Porsche with that same accident, it, it told me sports cars are cool as long as you're on a road by yourself. <laughs> but not, not if somebody's going to come out of the blue and hit you. But that's not the main, uh, the main secret to life, I would say. <laughs> no, I would say this is not the main secret to life. I think the main secret to life is, is really to live your dream because when you connect to that dream at its deepest levels, I find, because this is what I do with my clients, I've never found anyone that it's not about being of service, that that's where we actually find our deepest joy and fulfillment. That's amazing. Well, JV, as we get to the, the kind of the twilight of the interview, um, this has been amazing having you on and I want to respect your time. I know we're getting off pretty quickly here. I got one final, final question for you. You're making sure. a bigger impact, making, uh, helping six and seven figure coaches make a bigger impact and make a bigger profit. The whole work you do Conscious Millionaire. Again, you have a special gift. I want to hear about that at www.consciousmillionaire.com slash high performer. Can you take 60 seconds? Tell us about that. Sure. Absolutely. So go there and what you're going to get is the high performer formula. So I work primarily with six and seven figure businesses. They've gotten established. They really want to take off. They want to scale. They want to get their business model absolutely correct, but not just in a cookie cutter way. They want a business model that serves them as well. It allows them to express their, their genius, their greatness, allows them to become true high performers because they're driven to live at a higher level and they want to make a bigger impact. They want to make more money. And this is the formula that you need. It's at consciousmillionaire.com forward slash high performer. And I would love for you to go get that and take advantage of that opportunity. Well, you heard it here first. Get that uh, a, a free resource to share with you. JV, thank you for offering that. It's uh, very kind of you. And my final question for you before we wrap up, if you could go back and change anything over your entire life, what would you change? Or would you leave it all the same? Yeah, that's a great question. I, you know, it's a, it's a conflict because I stayed in the company longer than I wanted to because I was helping family out because I turned the company around, but I would have uh, gone off to live my, my purpose sooner. That, that's what I would have done. And so my message for everybody today is today is the day to make your decision that you're going to live at a higher level, that you're going to become a true high performer, that you're going to achieve things that right now may seem like impossible set a date and it's amazing how quickly you will get there. 
don't put off your purpose. The one thing he would change is living his purpose sooner. JV, that's amazing. And thank you so much for your time today. I sure appreciate it. And looking forward to connecting with you again real soon. Everyone, remember, rate, review, subscribe if you haven't already. Check it out on all the podcast platforms, Purpose Driven Entrepreneur. Um, phenomenal time. Thanks, JV. I appreciate it. Thank you, Matt.